Welcome to the MyCode Podcast. I am your host, Sergio Del Amo. I am uh, today with uh, Álvaro Sánchez Mariscal. How are you, Álvaro? I'm very good, thank you. Hello, Sergio. How are you? Very well, very well. Álvaro has been involved with the framework for a long time. Uh, he's currently a, a core committer in the MyCode Oracle team. Uh, we are going to talk today uh, mostly about MyCode Maven, uh, which, if it's not just uh, uh, Alvaro's work, almost, uh, so he has done most most of the work there. So I don't think we have uh, a better person to talk about building MyCode applications with Maven than Alvaro. But before uh, going into that, we are going to go to the agenda. For agenda, we have uh, many events uh, upcoming. Uh, we have uh, Alvaro, uh, who is talking uh, tomorrow, actually, in uh, J4K, uh, which is an online conference. It has a talk called At Least the Power of Your Applications with MyCloud and GraalVM. So you are still on time of uh, getting more content from Alvaro. Uh, Alvaro and Graham Rocher are both uh, going to uh, DevOps uh, Morocco and they will be in uh, Agadir. Uh, Alvaro uh, will be talking about uh, implementing Kubernetes operators in Java with MyCloud framework. Um, Alvaro has worked at a lot in the Kubernetes module as well. Um, uh, I hope to have him in another episode talking more about uh, what we offer for uh, users uh, of uh, Kubernetes. Uh, and uh, Ryan Rocher will be talking about uh, Gradient Cloud Native uh, and uh, a MyCode Deep Dive. Um, uh, George Truly, uh, I will be uh, going to an in-person uh, workshop in London called uh, Jumpstart Your Java Applications with AWS Lambda and the Microsoft Framework. That's, uh, I will include a link in the show notes. That's an uh, invite-only event. Uh, so if you are interested in learning more about uh, Microsoft and Lambda, please don't hesitate to apply. Uh, Graham is uh, going to do several talks uh, in Java 1, uh, also together with uh, Bob Beckwith. They're going to be talking about uh, MyCode data, uh, CloudVN, uh, a Micronode uh, framework. They're going to be talking also about uh, uh, how you can accelerate your uh, microservice productivity with Java, CloudVM, uh, and the MyCode framework, uh, and also about um, uh, building Java Cloud applications uh, with the framework, GraalVM, uh, and uh, the Oracle Cloud uh, infrastructure. Uh, and uh, last but not least, uh, Alvaro is going to do an in-person talk in uh, Belgrade, Serbia uh, for the conference uh, HipConf uh, in uh, November, the 3rd and the 4th of November. And the talk is uh, titled At Least the Power of Your uh, Applications with MyCode and GraalVM. I will include links to all of these talks in the show notes of this uh, podcast episode. Um, I hope to see you in uh, some of those talks. Remember, especially tomorrow, Alvaro has uh, a talk in uh, J4K. So that's uh, like a last minute chance uh, to listen to that. Um, thanks, everyone, for uh, uh, that's all for agenda. Let's go into the main topic. So I guess the first stop is, so MyCode, we say, is a language agnostic. You can build MyCode applications with Java, Groovy, or Kotlin. Uh, we always say, like, is test framework agnostic. You can build MyCode applications using JUnit 5 or Spock or CoTest if you are, like, probably on, on, on the Kotlin side of things. And uh, we say also that it's built agnostic. And, and what we mean by that is that you can build your micro applications either using Gradle or uh, Maven. In fact, uh, we have many users using Maven, even if it's not the default, we have many users using Maven. 
we have a module called uh, MyCodeMaven plugin. You can select in, when you go to MyCodeLaunch, that's under launch.mycode.io, you can select uh, Maven uh, and that will generate you a, a what will generate, Alvaro? It will generate the Maven wrapper, both for Windows and Unix systems, and a pom.xml file with the MyCode Maven plugin configured, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the default structure with uh, dependencies, etc., right? Yes. Uh, so, so basically, the the support we offer is is divided into two um, separate things. Uh, one is the MyCode parent pom. Uh, so Maven uh, follows a hierarchy of, of uh, you know projects and bombs and things like that. So so when you generate a project using micro uh, um, uh, micro launch, uh, you will get um, like your project is standing from the from the micro parent bomb where we apply some defaults to your to your project build. So for example. You know, most of the Maven plugin configurations and profiles are in the parent bomb. So that is one thing that makes the Maven support in Micronaut. It's not strictly required to use the, the Micronaut parent bomb. So you could potentially have your own parent bomb if you're using like a corporate, um, you know, corporate parent bomb. Uh, the only thing is that you should incorporate in to your parent, uh, the things we are doing in in the micro parent, and and the other element is is the Maven plugin itself. The Maven plugin essentially helps in two things. One is integrating into the Maven lifecycle for uh, packaging and and deploying uh, micro application in different form factors or um, artifact types. Uh, and, and the other one is, uh, well, there are several goals to, to do things, uh, most, not, uh, most notably is running in, in development mode. So, so that's, that's essentially the whole Maven support we offer for, for Maven users. One of the goals, and what Albert was saying that you will use, of course, when you create a micro application with Maven is the run goal, right? Correct. And one nice thing is that we have, so that will run the application and it will not just run the application, but it also will like uh, allow like um, hot reloading, right? It's actually hot restarting because uh, we, you know, because Microsoft starts so fast uh you know we uh, when we designed this we didn't want to mess with with class loading and things like that i don't think it's worth the effort for you know for waiting like a, less than a second or a couple of seconds for your for uh, your application to start so it's um extremely easier and cleaner to do a rest of the, of the application so what the wrangle does is essentially it's uh, listening for changes on your your source code or um, or application changes or, or even your dependencies if you do that and when it detects there is a change uh, on any file that has to be recompiled or 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 anything like that it will uh, recompile the application and and restart it. Yeah. So it listens for changes in source main Java, source main Groovy, source main Kotlin, and pom.xml, right? Correct, and resources as well. And resources as well. So if you are using like the views module and you are like changing a time lift template, you will get like 
once you change that, the application will restart. Right, or a change in the in application YAML. Uh, and if that's not enough, that's configurable, right? So people have the ability, like I don't know, if they are, like, I don't think, for example, I don't know, if they are using Open API, which supports like having this Open API configuration file on the top of the folder. I, I think in the Maven plugin we have like documentation about how to how to modify the default paths where we are listening for changes, right? Yes. So you can you can configure like a additional um a watches for for including or excluding resources or files like um you can use um, um wildcards like for instance you could say I want to listen for changes in the SSD main resources directory but only for YAML files, not properties or whatever, right? So it's it's configurable. Uh, both in terms of includes and excludes. And also, well, you can add a different number of um, um, directories to watch, uh, watch for changes. You can also change, like, for example, the, the listening port of the running application. You can run in the back road. You can change the, the debug uh, port. Um, or the host where the you know what the socket is listening to, uh, or even suspend the execution. So there are the different properties that allows you to control both the run mode and the and the debug mode. Perfect. So that will be essentially give you like those. Uh, so essentially, when while you are working on development mode, those are the goals that you will use. Uh, either the run goal, like plain, or the run goal with in debug mode. How will you execute the test in in a micro Maven application? Like in any in any Maven application, so you invoke the test um, the test phase of your project. So that's it. It actually depends on whether you have like a like unit test or integration test. So so we you know we have configurations for both you know the the Maven plugins for unit test and integration test like a fail-safe and, and surefire. By default, uh, all of our tests are configured as unit tests, or, or aren't they? Yes, they are unit tests. Even if they are like starting the micro application. Correct. And the reason that we do that, and correct me if I'm incorrect, is because typically the t- integration tests were so slow that there was like this dividing line between unit tests and integration tests. But for us, it's like running an integration test at the start of the server and everything is like less than a second. So we essentially configure, consider that like a, a, a unit test. Correct. Yes. It's uh, so. Um, so for the tool is, is you know, it all looks the same. It's just a JUnit test, essentially, or stock test, or whatever. Uh, I think uh, most of the Maven users will use JUnit. Uh, is my impression. So, so for them, it's essentially a unit test with a microsystem annotation on top of it. And the, um, you know, we we have written uh, the unit extension that will take care of of uh, bootstrapping the server and uh, making it available uh, before your test and, and so on. So, But other than that, it's a regular GUI test. So using NVM test should be enough to, to run your test. Perfect. Then the next step is develop the application. We run the test to verify that the thing behaves as we expect. And then we want to distribute it, right? And there's what we, in Maven plan, we call packaging, right? And we have like different configurations, right? And the default one will be to generate a fat jar. Mm-hmm. 
how will people generate this this fat jar and what can they configure? Yeah, so one of the the design goals uh, we followed for, for the Maven plugin is to, you know, instead of offer additional goals for doing things like this, um, we wanted to integrate into the into the Maven lifecycle because the default lifecycle already has like phases uh, for things like persons um, package an application or or deploy an application, right? Uh, in the case of packaging an application, there is like an MVM package um, a phase of the default lifecycle. And what we do is we have um, a customized uh, phase for uh, for the default lifecycle so that we can have control over the plugins and goals that are particip uh, participating into the packaging phase. And we, we allow users to control that using the, the packaging type of your POM. So there is like a core property in a POM file, uh, which is uh, um, um, packaging. Uh, by default, it's a jar type, but we introduce uh, custom types, uh, custom packaging types that uh, we can react to and, and configure the build differently, configure the, the packaging phase differently to introduce, like for, like for example, when you when you select, when you say that your packaging type is, is native image, we introduce the, the native image, even plugin as part of the packaging phase in in the correct order because, you know, you need, uh, like for example, to produce native image units to, to compile the application, to package into the JAR file, etc. Uh, the same for Docker, right? So for Docker, we produce uh, Docker images based on, on exploded uh, format. So we, um, by default, we don't include the JAR file into the Docker image, but instead we include the classes into different layers of the application. And everything is controlled with the packaging that can be specified, uh, can be hard-coded in your POM, or uh, like the default is to use like a, like a property, you, you pass on the command line, so you leave your POM with a variable, and then you specify the, the packaging using a command line property. For a user, so if you run like a maybe a wrapper package, package, that will generate the without specifying any system property that will generate the fat jar by default. Exactly. And if you specify the system property with minus D, so that will be like minus D packaging, Packaging. then you can specify, for example, if you want to generate a Gradient native image, you specify native image with a dash, mm -hmm. so everything lowercase with a dash. Mm -hmm. The only thing for users, if they want to try that is, and correct me if it's incorrect, you have to be using a Gradient JDK, right? Yes, that is correct. For, for that particular package, for, for the native image, not for the... So if you want to you generate, for example, a, a, a Docker image of your application, you can just generate a Maven package minus, minus D packaging equals Docker, and that will generate a, a Docker image. But if you want to generate, for example, a, a Gradient native image, you have to... And that's really easy to do with if you use something like SDK man, you essentially have to change, like do SDK, use Java... And, and the Gradium uh, JDK, and and then you can just run your uh, Maven uh, goal as you are used to. Yeah. So when uh, so when you when you package uh, when you want to package for a native image, um, essentially you're you're using you're producing like a locally like a system dependent native image, and that uh, that requires. Um, you know, using a, 
um, um, GraalVM SDK. Uh, we, we have a Maven profile that gets activated when you're using the grill, uh, this, this uh, um, GraalVM um, JDK because uh, there are like some dependencies that need to be included and you know, some minor things. And we do, we do that transparently for the user via profile that gets uh, automatically activated when you when you are using um, um, GraalVM locally. But uh, like you said, that will produce a system-dependent uh, native image. So you're a Mac, it'll be a Mac native image, and so on. So if you want something else, you would use the Docker native packaging type. So the Docker native will will produce um, a Linux-based Docker image with a native image inside. Correct. So that will, if you are, for example, working on the Mac and you want to deploy, your end goal is to deploy your application to a Linux server, to an, I don't know, like an AWS EC2 machine, you will not run Docker native, but you, so you will not run native compile, but you will run Docker native because that will essentially generate the native image inside the docking container built for Linux, and that way you can take that native image and distribute it to your server. Correct. Uh, what options do users have to essentially... So if they want to generate like a Docker image of their applications, do they have any... Do they have to have a Docker file in their no. application? Do we have one for them by default? Can they change that? What are the options for? Right, so they don't need to have any any Docker file. Um, however, if they have one, we will use it, right? So so you can bring your own Docker file uh, if you have it. But most of the users will need to have a custom Docker file uh, because we have like um, like default Docker files. But depending on the depending on the uh, the options you provide. Uh, like for instance, you could um, there are several options to build um, Docker images, uh, especially for for um, for GraalVM based uh, native images. You could you could build like for example a Docker image targeting uh, Oracle Cloud Function. So then we have a custom Docker file template where the base image is. Is the one that you need for Oracle Cloud function. The same we do for for the AWS Lambda. So there is like an like an additional property, uh, as well as uh, um, the one we mentioned before, packaging. There is another one called uh, micronode.runtime, and based on that, we will the Docker file template that needs to be used for your uh, for your use case. So, so for example, if you're using a Docker image for Lambda, then you would say like NVM package uh, minus D packaging equals Docker minus D micro.runtime equals Lambda, and then we have like um, like a Docker file which is based on, on Amazon Linux to uh, which builds the, um, uh, the, the, the Docker image with a layer um, configuration. So one layer for the, um, for the application classes, another one for the configuration, another one for the dependencies, etc. Um, and, and yeah, and if, if, for example, you would, you would say that instead of uh, packaging Docker, you want packaging uh, Docker native, then the Docker file template we use is, is different as well because in this case 
we are not putting a jar, a jar file, sorry, classes, uh, compile classes is inside the, 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 Docker, the Docker image, but uh, instead we produce um, uh, like a native image inside the Docker image, and we set it as the entry point of the Docker image, so it can be run, etc. And uh, there are like different options for different runtimes, and we have um, different uh, Docker file templates. But you can always bring your own if uh, none of those uh, meet your needs. So, so that's always an option. You can generate the Docker file that we are like using using the Docker file goal, right? Exactly. That is and then you can so instead of starting from scratch, you generate you essentially take what we generate for you and you tweak it to your. I don't know to, to adjust it to your to your needs. Exactly. One, one point that Alvaro mentioned there, and I think that's important to clarify, is um, following the tre the topic of Micronauts agnostic about everything. Is even though the default runtime is Netty, uh, we are kind of uh, so we use you have probably here us use this uh, marketing term like Micronauts a foundation layer. But it's actually true in the sense that um, when you generate a micro application in micro launch, by default, you have the Netty runtime and you will have in your dependencies the micro HTTP server Netty. But you can build micro applications uh, using a servlet and deploy them to Tomcat. You can use even Kafka listeners, pure Kafka listeners without a server. Or you can, as Salvador was describing, like deploy functions which don't have like a server but they just have like an entry class and and deploy them to oracle cloud functions or to aws lambda so it's important that um, that you became aware of that and that you know that uh, with the maven plugin you can change that with the micro.runtime uh, system property and that will essentially allow you to to change the runtime that you are targeting yeah yeah just think of 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 Netty as one runtime available for you, but it's not the it's not the end world of micro applications. So micro applications, of course, is the default runtime, and we see that most of our users use Netty as the runtime, but not all of them. Uh, we have I don't know we have community plugins that uh, uh, the people that develop the Camunda uh, libraries I think they are like deploying all the time in, with servlet. And yeah, and and just become become aware of that and and use that to your advantage in when using the Maven plugin. I wanted to touch one thing. So I talked to Cedric in the podcast uh, uh, several weeks ago about uh, AOT. AOT stands for uh, ahead of time, uh, and uh, we like to say that this is kind of ahead of time build optimizations. And we support it in both uh, Maven uh, and Gradle plugin. Can you explain a little bit what? So this is an opt-in feature. Uh, so users can try it out. They can use it. They can skip it. Uh, what is uh, Micro TOT and how can uh, Micro Maven users benefit from it? Micro TOT, as you described, is a new module. Um, and I would like to clarify because um, we, we used to and still... I'll describe uh, the framework as um, you know AOT capable. Uh, so that is still the case. So you know, micro by default is uh, ahead of time compilation and etc. 
but we, we have a new module uh, which brings the same name, it's Micron IoT, and the idea with it is to to offer additional built-in optimizations uh, to optimize uh, like um, uh, an executable jar file uh, for a particular environment. So the idea is that there is a set of uh, built-in optimizations, like for instance, we could um, fix the the environment of a produce uh, application so that there's no need to do uh, environment deduction at runtime and uh, we you know we can discard some parts of some bins at runtime that are not needed because uh, the environment is fixed uh, same with um, configuration formats or um, there are there like uh, over a dozen of transformations that could be added to to the uh, to the build and uh, yeah, like you said, it's um, available from both Maven and Gradle. Um, so you decide whether you want to use IoT or not. And if you want, you can choose which optimizations you want in your in your build. Uh, there are a number of optimizations that are, if you enable IoT, that are enabled by default. Uh, others are still um, considered unstable or experimental. Um, like for example, uh, we can convert um, lowback XML from, uh, from XML to Java configuration, uh, and therefore reduce. Um, you know, we can we can save all the XML parsing that lockback lockback will will take at uh, runtime, uh, but that requires an, an alpha version of lockback which is not st stable yet. But uh, there are other optimizations that are like yes, they all like the one I mentioned about the environment and others. So yeah, that's um, available today. That was a good clarification by Albert. So the framework still does a lot of logic at build time, even if you don't use a micro TOT build optimization. So we still, uh, it's the, the philosophy is the same, a kind of do like a smart compilers and uh, not so smart runtimes. So the framework will still try to do as much as possible uh, at build time. These are kind of an opt-in things that uh, as Alvaro was describing, like um, I think the easiest thing to understand is what Alvaro just said about logback or application.yaml, right? Everyone understands that when the application starts, we have to read a YAML file and transform it into a Java representation of that YAML file. And if we can do that at build time, win-win, right? Nothing nothing bad there, but also like environment deduction. So my code, by default, we try to like to infer whether you are running on an EC2 machine or you are running on, on other clouds or uh, whether you are running in a... And that, those environment deductions, sometimes they involve like uh, checking if a file exists in a disk or sometimes even a network request. So they can be like time-consuming if you are like, for example, building your deployable artifacts in CI uh, where the same environment will be uh, inferred and when you go to production then you can say like like basically uh, do the environment deduction at build time and and just save it and runtime. This is granular you can you don't have to like go all in you can like select uh, which uh, optimizations uh, you are comfortable with uh, and uh, how can maybe users, uh, opt into this uh, what do they have to change in their build uh, or what do they have to do at all just with a property 
in the properties section of the bomb we said magnet iot enabled true and um do they have to add any additional dependencies or anything like that no there is um the to actually choose which optimizations um they want to enable or disable there is an iot properties file and uh by the way this is already integrated in in micro launch so when you generate a new application with micro launch and select the IoT feature on Maven build, you will get um, you will get actually two different uh, IoT properties, one for normal JIT mode and another one for native images because the optimizations um, are different. So essentially, in the native um, IoT configuration, uh, GraphQL support is enabled, and yeah, that's that's essentially it. So a property, and um, but I think the best way to to get this is to you know to do a div in micro launch for an existing application or or just create it uh, from there. Uh, another thing I would like to mention is like you know to be clear is that once you choose AOT, the generated application is not going to be portable anymore, but instead uh, will be environment specific. Like for example, one of the optimization is to to uh, pre-compute the environment variables. Right, um, because in some scenarios like um, uh, Kubernetes, there might be lots of uh, environment variables available to the running application, and uh, there is a process in in Micron where we convert environment variables to to properties uh, with all possible combinations. Uh, so, so what you know, if we do this at build time, then uh, obviously we we save uh, time at uh, front end, but obviously as well, uh, the application is not going to be portable anymore. Depending on you know your situation, you like uh, Sergio said, so if you have I don't know like Jenkins running on EC2, and you're deploying on EC2 as well, uh, then you're good to go. But otherwise, uh, it might not be the case. So so go one by one and then decide which one is applicable applicable to your environment. That's a, a good point. So in there are some optimizations for which you have to align your build time with your runtime so that um, they behave as you expect, right? How, how can people in... If you use like the MyCode Gradle plugin and the AOT optimizations, we get like some extra Gradle task to like uh, run the optimize. So we get like an optimized run. Is that similar in the Maven plugin or will be in the moment you opt into AOT, in the moment you enable AOT in the properties, when you run Maven run, will you run the optimized uh, uh, jar or? So Maven and Gradle builds are different. So in Gradle, you know, you have like a specific tasks for different things. Uh, so not only to have the optimized variants, but also like for instance, for uh, there is a run task versus a native run. Uh, native tests, etc. So there is like an um, uh, extensive set of tasks that you can choose to, to run. But in, in the Maven world, we did it differently. We did it like a more Maven, Maven uh, idiomatic. So we use the lifecycle phases to do that. Um, so that's essentially the package. So when you're packaging an application, um, with packaging type, you select whether you want a jar file or a native image, 
And uh, if you uh, enable AOT with a property or with a command line flag, then the produce uh, package will be AOT optimized. So that, like I said, there's, there's nothing else to change in your workflow. So, and the same applies for, for MN run. Uh, MN run is not a lifecycle phase, but a specific goal. Uh, and it will respect the AOT enabled property if it's present. Uh, I don't think it makes much sense to run locally with AOT enabled, but maybe you know you can test um, how it's going to behave. Other than that, it shouldn't be the case that you will need to do that because running AOT will increase the build time. Correct. Yeah, what I recommend people to do is you have your MyCode application, you have your MyCode Maven application. Go to MyCode Launch, select AOT there and Maven and click the preview and you will see like, as Alvaro was describing, you will see like a new file that is generated on the root of the project called uh, aot-jar.properties and also check the changes in, in pom.xml, which is what Alvaro described, like MyCode AOT enabled true. And before you apply those changes in your project, generate, like, package your application, run the jar file, see how how much time does it take to start up, and then do the same thing but with AOT enabled and, and just play with the different optimizations and see how it impacts your application. And you will see that we see, like, substantial uh, startup improvements, uh, both in, in, in JIT mode, so both for... Uh, jar file but also like for native image we see like an amazing uh, optimizations as well check both and um, make sure that um, that aligns to yours and uh, do you have anything else for the aot section yeah no, another thing worth explaining is that uh, making AOT is a framework in itself that allows people to write their own optimizations uh, this is also an option like for example microsecurity Microsecurity will introduce some built-in optimizations as well. Uh, that maybe you're actually more familiar with that than me. Uh, and uh, users will be able to write their own optimizations. What we are gonna do in Microsecurity and it's quite interesting. I have seen like uh, you can save more than a second startup time. Is um, when you are working with Microsecurity, typically, and you are working with an authorization provider, so something like an Okta an OutZero, a Kicklock, an Amazon Cognito, uh, all of those servers, they expose like OpenID auto-configuration. So they have like an endpoint where they expose like a JSON file and they tell us like my token endpoint is here, my JSON web key set uh, endpoint where I will expose you my public keys are here, etc., etc. right? So what we do uh, is that when you like run microsecurity and and you want to like use one of these uh, authorization servers, we like have to visit that endpoint to essentially configure your application accordingly, right? So we essentially have to fetch that information so that we know where the token endpoint is in in those remote servers. So if you are comfortable with the trade-off, we can do that on a startup on build time, right? So we can do that request on build time and essentially uh, configure your micro application on build time, like generate that file so that we don't need to do like that trip on the um, on a startup. And that will save you like, as I said, that, that can potentially, uh, what I have seen on my trials is that we, we could save like a, a one second because sometimes those network requests, they are, they are slow. 
Um, so that's one area where I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, we have another feature in Micron Security, which is uh, we support that you use like a remote uh, JSON web key set. And those typically expose public keys um, on a remote server. So again, we have to do like a network call to fetch those public keys. And we could do that network call at build time instead of on runtime. So there are many potentials, uh, optimizations there. And the same in other modules. And I guess, uh, as Albert was saying, this could be used also in users' applications. So if your if your application needs to do like I don't know like a network request on a startup to fetch some information from your company API, uh, you could potentially like do that uh, on build time and just expose it uh, with an a micro TOT build optimization. So yeah, we we are quite excited about this. I think we have just scratched um, the surface, and I think um, the best is yet to come. So. Um, yeah, I encourage everyone to check it out. Uh, if you are a Maven Micron user, check it out because the Micron Maven plugin is ready. Uh, and I think you will be uh, really surprised uh, about what, uh, how can you uh, speed your application. Uh, in the next section, we are going to talk about uh, test resources, which is a Micron 360 feature, which we are quite excited about it. And... How do you describe test resources for anyone listening, Alvaro? So test resources is essentially uh, automatic and transparent integration of uh, test containers into an application. Uh, it was already possible to use it, um, test containers in, in an application before, but you would have to, to basically change your build and um, make your test uh, aware of particular test containers you would have uh, in your in your application, etc. Uh, so we've gone further with integration and we've made uh, everything as, as mm, transparent as possible for the user. So the idea is that uh, when you add support for test resources in your build, and we can uh, talk later what this means, but um, for example, in the case of Maven, it is essentially one property flag to enable it and then one uh, test scope dependency. So when you do that, uh, we will inspect your build to try to infer which test containers you will likely need in your application, right? So for example, if you have micro data uh, and then the MySQL driver, uh, then we will add support transparently for the MySQL uh, test containers transparently. And then what, what will happen is that in your test, you don't need to actually, or in, even in your running application, because this works for both uh, test and running application, you don't need to do uh, anything in particular. Uh, so say you have an application YAML um, without JDBC URL, without user, user and password. What test resources uh, includes, and Micronaut uh, 3.6 uh, includes as well, is the ability uh, to resolve properties. So essentially, there will be someone asking for for the JDBC URL and the username and password. And because you don't have that in your application YAML and, and you don't need to, the MySQL test resources integration will actually provide that values for the application. And the way it will do that is actually supporting 
MySQL test container and then grabbing the, you know, the random port and uh, well, uh, IP is localhost, but the, essentially the port where it's going to be exposed and then grab the default username and password and provide those values to, to the application. So you literally have don't have to do anything to use uh, a test container uh, the, um, DV for your application, and it will this will work transparently, uh, transparently for both your tests and your running application. That's basically what it does. Yes, to recap what I just said, which is I think is pretty cool. So if you go to Mycode Launch uh, and you generate a Micronaut application and you select the MySQL feature. Uh, before we will like add you in your build file the test container dependency. Now what we will do is if you if you are using Gradle, we will add the micro test resources Gradle plugin. If you are using Maven, we will enable test resources in your pom.xml file. Correct. And in configuration, you will not have a JDBC URL username or password, right? But you will have like your data source configuration with the dialect and, and everything like that. So if you just run like Maven run, test resources will see that you have like the MySQL dependencies and there is a data source in your configuration uh, in your application. And it will see like in order to have like a valid data source, you need like a JDBC URL. What it will do is in order to provide you those, it will use test container transparently for you to like so the only thing that you have to have is docker running in your computer it will like run a mysql database and it will essentially get like the random port for that mysql database and it will create like the appropriate jdbc url it will give you like the username and the password that it needs to like access that mysql database running via docker and it will provide you to the application so you can just generate a micro 360 application with MySQL and just do Maven run and the database will be there for you, right? You don't have to do anything. You don't have to uh, run uh, a database locally. And for tests, the same. So if you run your test uh, and your test uh, need like uh, to have like a MySQL database uh, to fulfill that promise to the data source, uh, we will create that for you. Uh, and we will... Uh, we will share a database for all the tests, right, Alvaro? Correct. So the way this works is we will start what is called the test resources service, which is a small small service running on a, on a specific port locally that will take care of of uh, creating the test containers required by your by your application. And there is like a client server communication between. Uh, the application and the service. Um, so this service will be started before the tests or before the you're running the application, and will be stopped by default uh, after you know the tests have run or when you actually uh, halt the application execution. There is the possibility to to have this service uh, running. So there are like command line flags or or pom properties you could set to to leave this, this service running. So, the, you know, the first time um, the service will be, will be started before anything else. And then uh, if you said you wanted to, to keep alive the, the service, it will be kept running in the background. 
and then there is a maven goal you can run to stop it if you wanted to and uh, this is useful in, in situations like for example uh, if you had like a multi-project messaging application with a producer and a consumer and if you wanted to have the same test containers the same kafka container for both the producer and consumer uh, you could start you could start the the desk you know you could start the application on one side in the consumer for example and then in the producer you can say that you have like a share build like a shared uh, test resources and it will re reuse the same service from a different project so in this case uh, it's essentially one one test resources service running on the background and then two different applications uh, communicating with this service um, and requesting properties that will resolve to the same uh, test container Kafka. One question that people will probably have is, uh, okay, that's great. Like you like run a MySQL database for me, but what if I am running like an old version of MySQL? Uh, can the users configure like the Docker image that is going to be used? Yes, uh, yes. M most of the, the actual test container properties can be configured via application YAML. Uh, so there is support for that. So you can use a custom image. You can uh, customize all, all the properties of the test container, of the underlying test container, like uh, you want to post it on a, on a text port or anything like that. So. So that's part of the documentation of test resources, but uh, but essentially yes, you can via configuration change. If not all, most of the test contain the underlying test container. We have support beyond like uh, so we have support for databases. We have support also. You mentioned Kafka. Do we have support like out of the box for something else? There yes, there is um, like in the first version there is support for quite a few things. So that includes Elasticsearch. Bolt, uh, having queue, all the JDBC options that you may have, like Oracle, MySQL, Postgres, etc. Uh, Kafka, MongoDB, Neo4j, RTDBC, Routing Queue, Redis. So there's a comprehensive list of uh, technologies that are supported uh, in the first release. And uh, yeah, we will keep an eye on community requests to support uh, new technologies in the future. Apart from the technologies that Alvaro mentioned, uh, we have also the ability, for example, I have used test resources with Dynamo. Uh, Dynamo DB offers like a Dynamo DB local and they give you like a Docker image. Uh, and uh, one of the great things about micro test resources is that you can specify like um, a Docker image directly in configuration and like kind of the properties that you want to expose. You can use even if we don't like have like a pretty support of the box. You will probably would be able to use this with with technologies that Alvaro didn't mention. For sometimes for those technologies, you will have to do an extra ceremony, and if that's the case, we, we really welcome like community contributions to like uh, kind of a, a streamline or uh, is that um, also uh, test resources is quite interesting in in the sense of of keeping the class path clean. Can you like can you go into that? Can you explain? Uh, what is our approach in uh, for that? Yeah, so so essentially the the difference with the previous test containers integration is that test containers will be part of your uh, test dependencies, um, and that wouldn't uh, even make it possible to run your application with test containers, right? So 
Uh, in the past, you wouldn't be able to do that. The only thing in your in your uh, client application is essentially like a client dependencies with this this service. Um, it's normally part of the test scope, and that's all that is needed. So everything else is kept part of this uh, small service running in the background. Uh, this this small service uh, is really a tiny magnet application running in the background. Uh, in a modern computer, tech takes like uh, 300 milliseconds or something like that. And we're even adding support for class data sharing, um, um, which will even further reduce the, the start time of this service. Uh, I mean, there's obviously a cost that you're paying to get this feature, but I think the benefit is huge because uh, Essentially, everything is uh, um, uh, transparent to you, so you don't have to do anything. Yeah, as to so if um, the way I like to think about this is so if you wanted to do this uh, before Micron 3.6 without test resources, right? And you wanted like to uh, to kind of uh, run uh, automatically on when you like run on development uh, your like a MySQL database uh, with test containers when you like did Maven run. You will have to be really careful about like not adding that dependency to your main class path that then you are going to deploy to production, right? And this uh, completely abstract you to that, right? So you are you are not never going to leak like the test containers dependency to your main class path. And this has also benefits like in terms of uh, so we support for example um, the micro application uses also the the official GraalVM uh, uh, plugins uh, and with uh, JUnit, uh, for example, there is like a, a, a you, you can like test the native image and if you had in your test class path the test container image, uh, as you can imagine, that can be problematic to generate like a native image of your application. And if so, it is important in general like to have like a a clean class path uh, for this kind of because at the end of the day you want test container is amazing but you just wanted to like a, like kind of start these third party dependencies you don't really want it in your application this is kind of like a tool that you want to like essentially start these third parties but it's not like part of your application this kind of creates this separation between the two um, so we are really excited about this um, Moreover, uh, the way these uh, the test resources in Mycot is architected is you could even use this without test containers. So if you have like a dependency that uh, is not distributed at a Docker image, uh, but I don't know, like as a jar file that you have to run manually, uh, we have tested and you can like do that as well. So it will be a bit more involved. Uh, but um, the reason we didn't call it this test container resources is because it is uh, not just for test containers, although uh, with test containers really signs, but this can be used like to essentially like provide any test resources um, seamlessly to users. Um, so what what can we say else for you? Uh, one one el el extra thing that I would like to say is. Uh, we have uh, been updating all the MyCode guides uh, to uh, use uh, to show how to use test resources because we have many many uh, MyCode guides which use technologies like relational databases, but also like Kafka and things like that. 
So if you want to check it out, uh, I think the easiest thing to do is go to uh, MyCodeLunch, generate uh, an application with your favorite database, and just do Maven run and see uh, how uh, you don't have even to start the, to to have the database running in your computer to um, to see it work. Uh, and another way to do is go to uh, go to my code guides and just browse uh, through these tutorials and see how can you use it. Uh, and you will see that there is nothing, there is no much that you have to do as a developer. That's kind of the goal. The goal is to simplify working with these uh, third-party dependencies that we all need to work with. Um, have I forgotten anything, Alvaro? Should we point? No, I think uh, you've described um, everything. So, so like you said, there's um, some supported modules by default, uh, like the ones I described for databases and, and other messaging technologies, etc. <clears throat> Uh, and this is extensible, so users can implement. It's really implementing like an interface, uh, which will let Micron know which, for this custom implementation, which properties is this integration resolving. Um, and there are, uh, it could be used with a generic way. So, for example, imagine um, for SMTP. Uh, if your application were to be sending emails, uh, it's possible via configuration to, to use the custom image and to specify the the properties that are going to be resolved by this integration without having to write any any implementation at all. Uh, so I think with the generic uh, support uh, should be enough for for most of the things that we don't support by default. Uh, but like I said, if there is like really much interest in supporting any particular technology that we are not supporting yet, we will definitely consider doing that in a future release. Um, and yeah, we've put a uh, quite amount of time uh, doing this. Uh, we care a lot about uh, the developer experience. So we hope this is going to be massive improvement for for people at uh, development experience. And uh, like you said, Sergio, um, this is only meant to be part of the development life cycle, you know, development and test life cycle, but uh, shouldn't be part of the production application. So so the generated class path will be uh, clean of any test containers uh, dependencies whatsoever. Yeah, this is that's important. So I think don't fear that this is gonna mess up your production deployment. On the contrary, this is gonna be probably make it cleaner uh, because this is kind of uh, creating this separation. Um, so yeah, check it out. Uh, quite an uh, probably the most exciting feature of uh, Micro Three Six here. Um, we hope um, to get some feedback, uh, and we will probably be creating like more documentation around this uh, we already have like a, a reference documentation module so if you go to docs.micron.io and you uh, scroll down you will see that we have like a link to test resources and you will find all the documentation that you need there are we forgetting anything that we should point people to um, so of course uh, you don't have to remember all of this uh, just remember to go to docs.micron.io and we have a link to the Maven plugin documentation um, that is in 
uh, documentation forward that you are uh, used to when uh, consuming Maven plugins uh, docs. And uh, I think the Maven plugin documentation is quite quite good. But if you have, uh, of course, uh, any improvements, uh, all of this uh, is in a GitHub repository in the mycode-projects. Uh, I think it's mycode uh, Maven, probably the repo, uh, or Maven plugin. Maven plugin. Maven plugin. So if you have any, uh, so PR, as we always say, PRs are welcome. If you have any improvements to the docs or to the plugin, uh, you will probably interact there with Alvaro. Uh, well, there is one final thing we, uh, we didn't talk about, and is how to deploy a Microsoft application. Uh, uh, once again, deploy is a phase of, of the Maven lifecycle. Um, and here we again respect the, the packaging type. So, so by default, when you're deploying a Java file, you will, you know, push like pu push the Java file to a remote um, a repository, like a factory, whatever, Nexus. Uh, that's uh, that's not changed. The the, the benefits come when you're changing your your packaging type. Like for instance, if your packaging type uh, type is a Docker image. Deploying means pushing the image to a remote registry. So, so I think that's uh, again like a good uh, user experience because we respect the the package and deploy uh, phases of the Maven lifecycle. So that's uh, like uh, one-stop shops for users to to package and to deploy the applications and you know depending on the options you're you're providing um, you can specify you know where to push the docker image to so there are multiple configuration options to to specify like the like the registry credentials and, and docker configuration and so on for uh, for packaging docker images we use jeep uh, under the hood among other things, um, GIF is, is one of the options when you when you're packaging um, a JVM application, right? In JVM mode, not in native image. So when it's in JVM mode, we use GIF under the hood because GIF has uh, great support. It has very good defaults for uh, for most Java users and will produce a really optimized um, Java application. All we have to do is to to um, uh, you need to put the different things in the in the uh, places where you know Jib will will take them to to prepare the, the Docker image. And, and for the plugin application, we also respect most of the Jib uh, plugin configuration. So you can uh, you, you actually get a Jib plugin as part of the of your Maven build. And you can use uh, Jib, uh, you know, instead instead of having those configuration options to the Micron Maven plugin, we instead decided on on reading them from the Jib plugin configuration. So if you have them there, uh, we will read it from there and we'll we'll respect the, those options to uh, to basically know where we have to push the the document. I will include a link in the show notes to the Jeep uh, documentation. So the Jeep is a tool from, I think, is the Google Cloud Container Tool team. We have a, 
a couple of guides which shows this feature in action. One of them, for example, is the Cloud Run guide, uh, which essentially shows like deploying uh, to the Google Cloud Container Registry. Uh, and as Salvador said, it's really nice because you essentially is like, you specify like minus D packaging Docker, and then you specify minus D jeep dot to dot image, so essentially, and then you pass the URL, and the similar thing will be if you are like using, uh, I think we have another one for Oracle Cloud, but essentially it's really nice because you just have like a, a URL, essentially, where you were for the registry, and the plugin takes care of everything. So you just push to this registry and you forget about it. Exactly. Well, it is not an actual URL, but an image uh, name format, right? So, so it has like the, you know the first part is the like the, the domain, and so that could be gcr.io or or ecr or whatever, right? Uh, or even like a corporate registry or, or anything like that, and and then yeah, like you said, the, the, the version tags so could be latest, or you can include uh, like maybe in placeholder to read the version from the from the POM, um, <clears throat> and it can be done either in the POM XML itself, so you could have your your destination image name there, or you could uh, override it on the command line if you wanted to. So if you know if you have it like um, your pump configured, uh, all you would need to do is to specify NVN deploying uh, deploy minus D packaging equals Docker or Docker native. That should be it. So we will produce the Docker image with the same options that we discussed for the packaging phase, and then uh, respect the DJ um, the plugin configuration for for pushing for you know for uh, determining where to push the image to. Yeah, this is probably the easiest way to deploy a Gradient native image of a Microsoft application using Docker native and a, and a registry. Correct. I think, because it essentially, you essentially are like um, completely abstracted uh, upstream of uh, what's running inside that Docker image. And uh, there is one more thing to mention regarding how to, to package... Um, um, GraalVM and native images in in, a, in in Docker. So there are, there are three options, if I remember correctly. One is like the default, so you get like a like a native image on top of a Linux um, base image. Uh, another one is a mostly static native image, where the base image is is, is like a like, like a trimmed down base image. It's like a smaller image and um, it uses the um, uh, what is it called the muscle uh, library, uh, which is like um, uh, it's essentially a way to to have like a dynamic uh, libc linking for your native image, right? Uh, and you could also you uh, generate a pure static image. So those are is like a binary. Uh, where all the um, all the dependencies and compiler libraries and everything like that uh, is, uh, are uh, aesthetically linked into the image, so it's a single binary, and that can that can be run in a scratch Docker image base, like which has have nothing else, right? That's the 
um, option. And uh, you can always use a different base image for your for your native image in case you need anything else. So that's always an, an option. But uh, but yeah, um, I think you know depending on your use case, uh, you may benefit from from a dynamic image, which is the default, or from a static or robustly static image. There are obviously advantages and disadvantages. So, um, so static or mostly static images in GraalVM um, have uh, limited support, um, and uh, maybe it's not an option for everybody, uh, depending on your use case. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. I think it may uh, make a big difference in terms of the Docker image size that is generated. Because it's not the same to to be based on, on for example, I don't know, Debian or whatever base image or Amazon Linux or whatever, uh, which has a footprint of several hundreds of, of uh, um, megabytes, than building from scratch, which is zero uh, or almost zero, and then having like a pure static image with um all the compiler libraries are statically linked um so so yeah but uh, on the other hand the like like i said the, the support is limited so um, there may be things that may not work so that is something that needs to be checked on the ground game side but uh but yeah, you can you can specify the, those options via um command line properties uh when you're producing your your Docker image. So I guess it will depend from project to project. All those options that Albert mentions, they are in the Maven plugin documentation. So uh, check it out and try if they are like uh, usable and they're like a good trade-off in your project. With uh, the main section out of the way, Alvaro, um, let us go into level up. Uh, in Level Up, we typically talk about tips uh, and small patterns uh, in the framework. And today I wanted to talk about um, one pattern that... Uh, so I mentioned in another episode uh, about uh, the ordered interface in Micronaut and the add order annotation that you can add to uh, bins to essentially order them when you retrieve all the bins. So in Micronaut, you when you interact with the either in injection points or directly using the bin context, you can get like a, you can say like get bin and that will mean give you like a bin of a particular type, or you can use like get bins of type and that will give you all the bins of a particular type, right? And uh, you are like using constructor injection, you can inject like a, a single bin or you can use like a a list of bins of a particular type. And when you uh, inject a list, uh, we mentioned the other day that uh, thanks to the uh, ordered interface and the order utils, which is this util class, which will order those uh, uh, that list that gets injected into your class, um, uh, you can get those. So the, the composite pattern that we use in several places in the framework, uh, the idea here is that uh, if you have like an interface, like say favorite color, uh, and you have like several uh, implementations of that interface uh, and you like uh, inject favorite color in the interface in your classes, uh, you will get like an exception and you will see the exception. It will say uh, not unique uh, bin of type and essentially will tell you like 
you have multiple implementations of that type and micro doesn't know which one to inject uh, so in micro we have this annotation called add primary uh, and when you annotate uh, one of your implementations with that primary uh, and you essentially tell the framework i want to inject only one uh, it will essentially pick that and inject it uh, in your class uh, the composite pattern the idea is that uh, you create like a class we have we typically name those classes in my code composite whatever for example we have one which i think is a, an easy to understand example we have this feature called local resolver which essentially will attempt to um, resolve the user local for language and we have implementations that search for the user local in the http session you probably don't have an http session in most applications you will search for the local in the header uh, in an http header i think it's the accept language http header uh, it, you will have for example another implementation which search for the local in a query value parameter something like i don't know you may have like a query value parameter called local in your application or any other thing you could have like a custom one which uses the depending on the url or your application it resolves like this micro application local should be spanish or this micro application should be should be german so uh, in what we have in the framework is we have one class called composite uh, local resolver which uh, in the constructor it injects uh, all it injects a list of uh, local resolvers uh, and that list uh, gets injected in order and uh, this class is annotated with a singleton and it's annotated with a primary uh, so that when you inject that class in your uh, in your classes uh, and you uh, invoke the method uh, it will essentially go through all the implementations and it will in the moment one of the implementation resolves it will return the result so for example i think local resolver returns an optional so it will like invoke all the methods uh, and the first one that doesn't return an empty optional it will uh, return so um, I, i'm gonna write a tutorial and i will include a link in the notes but essentially what i wanted to convey is that if you uh, have a use case uh, where you for example want to write a library uh, open source library or a library for your company and you want to provide some default implementations but you want to leave the door open for someone in your organization to come and, and provide their own. Uh, one pattern that you can use is to use this composite pattern because this will you will not have to tell your users to replace, uh, to use the add replaces annotation, but instead they can produce like an implementation and specify the desired order uh, which they want to use. Um, uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, hopefully, this is uh, useful to to some of you. And let me go to the sponsors. Uh, this podcast uh, episode is possible thanks to the Microsoft Foundation sponsors. Uh, we have uh, several sponsors. We have uh, Object Computing. Object Computing is uh, the Microsoft Foundation ambassador sponsor. Microstream is a silver sponsor. We have two bronze sponsors. One is Safri.net and the other one is Visor Games. And we have also two uh, tools and infrastructure partners. Uh, such as Gradle Enterprise and JetBrains uh, and uh, for individuals uh, we support also individuals uh, community sponsors and uh, 
the best way to learn about the Microsoft Foundation and to support it is to visit micro.io slash foundation uh, committee sponsors uh, we have a list of persons which I am uh, just opening right now and those are uh, thanks to uh, Corbini Albach, uh, Philip Eisenbach Hassan Mohoudini Jason Sindler, Jeff Scott Brown Gis Loisnek, Lucas Morachev, Jen Bees Goran Erson, Danilo Marquez Edgar Rios Navarro, Robert uh, L.F. Baum uh, Andrew McKee and uh, Balapsu Romanian Rengasami. Thanks all of you. And if you want to uh, support the uh, Michael Foundation, either uh, you're a company or an individual, please uh, check the website. And I think that's all for today, Alvaro. Uh, thanks a lot for joining me. And do you want to say anything to wrap it up? No, thank you for having me on this. Uh, episode of the podcast. Uh, I'm I'm glad to have been given the, the opportunity to tell the your audience about the the Maven plugin. Um, and yeah, I'm really looking forward for more episodes of the podcast and um, having the opportunity to join some of them as well. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, if you are a Maven user, uh, check it out. Uh, Feedback is more than welcome. Uh, leave Alvaro feedback on the GitHub repository, either in the issues or in the discussion. And we have also a Gitter community. Uh, join the Gitter community. Uh, you will find a link in the footer of the MyCode website uh, to Gitter. Uh, and Alvaro is often in the, uh, in the chat. So join us and discuss about the... Uh, using Maven with Micronaut. Uh, we see a lot of uptake from Maven users, so please keep using Micronaut with Maven and we listen to each other in the next episode. Thank you.